The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Uh, We are getting closer and closer to camp. Uh, We're starting to hear about some of the off-season recoveries and injuries and surgeries. Uh, And there's... Uh, there's been some changes. The uh, National Women's Hockey League is dead, um, and we'll talk about that in a couple of moments. Um, and there's a surprisingly talented trio of RFAs who are bafflingly unassigned, who unsigned. Uh, we're going to have to talk about at some point. We did do a quick poll on uh, if our listeners thought that uh, Patrice Bergeron would make it to 1,500 games. And with Sidney Crosby's latest injury um, and surgery, we have to talk about him as well as half a dozen other things. Where do we want to start this week? Ah, let's, I want to start with this. The National Women's Hockey League is dead. It was terrible. Um, Terrible, terrible news. Well, uh, the National Women's Hockey League is dead. Long live the Premier Hockey Federation. Uh, The league has rebranded. It's going to be... uh, I think this is a move in part to differentiate uh, themselves and to go in a slightly different direction than the uh, WNBA um and emphasize the hockey over the player that was that was the big thing i took away from the announcement was it it wasn't so much that they wanted to they're not looking to make drastic changes per se but they are trying to emphasize the skill and not the fact that it's a women's league they just want to emphasize that the 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 achievement, the skill that these players have, regardless of, you know, the fact that it's a women's league. Okay, that's great. But they're trying to make it so that everybody recognizes just how good these players are. And if you watch a now PHF game, whether it be Minnesota Whitecaps, whether it be the Boston Pride, and oh, by the way, they are playing each other opening weekend uh, as a nice little uh, revisit or <laughs> some sort of uh, uh, opening salvo for for the two teams that were in the finals for the Isabel Cup or the Isabel Cup. I can't remember how it's pronounced. I think it's Isabel. Absolutely. It's going to be really, really interesting to see. They played each other hard in that final. <laughs> that whole uh, condensed playoff was what – a bubble playoff should look like. Um, I have more than once called the NHL's attempt at the same thing, the pretend offs. And even just viewing a few of the games, there was a enormous difference between the two. And I just can't, I can't say enough how much closer to peak hockey, uh, the, the women played versus what happened in the NHL's bubble. 
And it says right here in the article, we felt it's time for our players to be defined by, oh, look, their talent and skill. It's not like they're female phenomenal. You're just phenomenal. They're billing the change. No labels, no limits. They're not about promoting the women's part of the women's hockey league. They're about promoting the skill. And again, I reiterate, this is if you sit down and watch one of these games, that's what you're going to take away from it because they are phenomenal on the ice. They put everything into it. They're just as hard hitting. They're just as physical. The goal scoring is just as deft. It's impressive to watch. I mean, it, and they're adding a seventh team. It, it's growing slowly, but they're going to be adding Montreal to the league, I believe, in 22-23. So mm-hmm. not this season, but next season. I think they're doing it right, maybe a little slower than I would expect. I, but I think that the doing it right portion, uh, part of what you said, is the most important thing. Uh, the early NHL was plagued by a lot of teams that came in and folded. Uh, there were the Golden Seals, the Montreal Maroons. Um, the Maple Leafs were once the St. Pats, and they rebranded as part of a ownership change. Um, even the Boston Bruins changed ownership a couple of times in their first three or four decades. Um, we all know about you know, the uh, Florida Panthers and how many owners they've had and uh, the arena issues that teams like the Columbus Blue Jackets and Nashville Predators had not all that long ago. Uh, uh, if they're going to do this right, it, it needs to be at the pace that it will support, not according to someone's checklist. According to, according to Madison Packer, she's the captain of the Metropolitan Riveters. Uh, her, her quote is, uh, that it's level that it levels the playing field respectfully i don't know if men always understand especially for me because i encountered a lot we play with the same size puck in the same size rink the same nets so to remove that label not only remove it but in the logo erase the w i think is empowering and like we said uh, countless times already it focuses less on the gender and more on the hockey. And that's ultimately where it should be. And I don't know where to go from there because that's pretty much the ending statement. Focus on the talent, focus on the hockey, enjoy it, uh, get out, see a game. If you've never (laughs) seen a game, go see a game. Uh, Chris and I will almost certainly be taking one in, uh, in person this year, uh, we're not very far from the Boston camp, uh, from the Boston uh, home ice. And I believe they play. I believe they play at again Warrior. I thought they played at Warrior, but oh, do I they play at Warrior? Oh, maybe they do now. They were at Aganis, but they might play at Warrior now. Okay. Um, I mean, it's not, and we're not talking huge crowds either. So you get in there. You're fairly close to the ice. There isn't a bad seat to be had. That's where they have Bruins have their development camp. So no matter where you are, you're going to see lots of action. And it's it, it's worth the trip. 
Absolutely. Uh, where do we want to go next? I think we need to. I think we need to start considering. Uh, well, actually, before we get to the RFAs, because we're going to get there. Uh, talking about Tyler Sagan, former hometown second overall pick. Uh, he had some inju- He had some injury concerns and injury issues over the last couple of seasons. Uh, he's had multiple injury concerns. He only played three games in last year's abbreviated season. Uh, the year before that, he had a lot of issues, and I don't think he scored in the last month of the last full month of the season. Um, he had he came down with uh, COVID at some point earlier this year, um, and he's just he's really had a rough year and a half, twenty months or twenty four months, and it's. Uh, According to him, he's back to 100% of the on-ice stuff and 98% of the off-ice stuff, which bodes really, really well for the Dallas Stars, who really, really could have used some of his scoring touch last season. My first thought was, I can't believe he's 30 years old. It does seem hard to believe. Has he really been around for like 11, 12 years? Yeah, he's He's played over a decade of NHL hockey, and it feels like we were just watching the Tyler versus Taylor great debate for 17 months, weeks ago. I guess, I mean, I guess it kind of, and it kind of brings back memories because Taylor Hall obviously has joined the Bruins and signed the long-term deal, well, long-term, signed a four-year deal. I thought his deal? first deal was five years, but uh, it it's irrelevant at this point. So, but to have to, to have the number one overall pick on the Bruins now, after we had the second pick and shipped him off, but it's nice to hear that he is back. He is feeling healthy again. He expects to be a hundred percent by the end of the week. Training camp is set to kick off in two weeks. It's a better league. <laughs> When he is playing up to his potential and up to his skill, which he has been down in Dallas. Yeah. When he's playing 100%, Dallas is a better team. And hockey is better for it. I mean, did he have his off-ice issues? Yes, I think those are behind him. We haven't heard anything about them. And, again, he's better off for it. So to have him back on the ice and playing at 100%, and more power to him. I, I, I like to see, I mean, he is a prolific scorer. Uh, he's a decent face off man. He's not, I, I wouldn't go so far as to call him fabulous or great or anything, but he's a decent face off man. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I think that Dallas is going to really reap the benefits of having a healthy Sagan. If he can stay healthy for the majority of the season, all season, and, uh, just the scoring that he'll bring alone ought to be a 10 or 12 point or close to a 10 or 12 point bounce for the team overall. Um, Cause they were not good last year. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I mean, when you watch Dallas, I'm wondering if age is a factor with them. And I'm not saying that, that Joe Pavelski can't still play at a high level. He is, he has, but, he is 
getting older, mm-hmm. as are we all. Tyler Sagan, again, surprised. I didn't realize he was 30. Jamie Benn getting old. I mean, they've got a few young players. they got Miro Heiskinen. They've got uh, Gurianov. They've got um, uh, the one that scored the hat trick and his name escapes me. But they've got some youth on the team. I just think that they need to sprinkle in a little more youth and maybe you take a backseat for a year or two. I mean, and their goaltending is another question. I, I mean, I still love Dobby. Doesn't everybody? Uh, yep. yeah, but they've got Jake Ottinger waiting in the wings. What have they done with Ben Bishop? Is he even still there? Did they, <laughs> I mean, their options are, I mean, I think Ottinger might be ready after what we saw in the, in the shortened season last year. But I don't know that he's a 60 some odd games yet. I mean, but if you can get him into, you know, 30, 35, 40, whatever the case may be, have Hudobin playing 55, if that works for him, whatever the case may be. I think that they are going to be better this year. I don't necessarily know that they're suddenly going to vault back into playoff status. And if they do, it's probably going to be an early exit. Um, it really, it really depends on where they land in the standings and who their first round opponent is. I still think it, you're going to have to work really, really hard to get through uh, Vegas or the Avs. But beyond that, I, I still overall think the West is really squishy. I'm not sure who the third best team in is the West, the West is right not, now. <laughs> how long are we going to have to wait before the West is no longer squishy? <laughs> uh, about the time the East completely collapses. Or, or no, we're back to calling them the Pacific again. It's not the West anymore. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about the whole Western Conference. Both. Oh, okay. I don't think the Central is that good, as I said. There are the ha- – it, it, I think that there's more definitive line in the Western Conference between the haves and have-nots. I think in, in the East, I think there's – I mean, there are the teams that are, are not good, and we know they're not going to make the playoffs, but I think there's – more possibilities for teams getting into the playoffs in the East. I think there's there's a more definitive line in that Western Conference. You're right. They, I don't know if squishy is the right word for it, but it sounds good, so let's go with it. <laughs> I mean, just to compare the East and the West, if you look at the Atlantic Division, there are five teams that you can say probably should be in the playoffs. And those the teams that are probably not going to be in are Buffalo, Detroit, and uh, Montreal. Uh, well, not Montreal, uh, Ottawa. Those three are probably not making the playoffs. The Metropolitan Division, Carolina will make it. The Islanders and Rangers almost certainly will make it. And Pittsburgh, and then you still have Pittsburgh and Washington. Um, and that's without talking really about uh, the Flyers or Rangers. The only team, two teams you can really discount from that division at this point are the Devils and Blue Jackets. Okay. Out west, meh. <laughs> none of the cat, none of the California teams. Probably not. No. Uh, wait, I mean, none of the none of the West Coast teams. Period. Because Seattle, I don't know. I don't think Seattle makes the playoffs in their first year on, on, unlike Vegas who, yes, I don't they, love their roster. They haven't from the beginning. 
Um, I think that they made some aggressively mediocre choices. Um, and how can I forget Rube Hints? And you didn't even remind me of terrible. What specifically about Rupe Hints? No, when I was talking about the youth versus the age, the aging players on on Dallas, they do have a few. But if you look at their roster in particular, again, like I said, there's a lot more 30 year olds than there are 24 year olds. Yeah, 24 year olds. Yeah. Um, I, the whole West is really, really, really a crapshoot. Um, oh, okay, so I guess squishy is the right word. And yes, they still have Ben Bishop. Oh, and I forgot they added Braden Holpe. I mean, I'm willing to bet that Vegas and Carol, uh, Colorado make it just because they're both that good. If, I think if, Chicago probably finds a way in. If you're Jake Ottinger, do you request to be traded? No, not this year. I want to be shown playing 50 games and doing as well as can be expected on that roster. But to, yeah, but Dallas has three goalies as it is in Bishop, Hudobin, and Holpe. I mean, Ottinger's not going to get to play unless... Well, Bishop is going to be injured to start the year. Okay. He's not showing as injured, but okay. As far as I know, he has uh, he's still recovering from some sort of surgery. But yes, they're having four goaltenders means you either have none or have really serious doubts about health. <laughs> really serious. I mean, you brought you paid Holby two million bucks for one year. You got Hudobin, who's in the second of a three-year deal at three point three. You're paying Ben Bishop just a shade under five this year and next and then yeah you got Ottinger uh, waiting in the wings in in the last year of his entry level uh, somebody's got to make a decision don't they <laughs> I guess eventually well yeah because you guaranteed yourself a third goaltender with Holby and then I don't I'm just okay that one that one I don't get I really don't. Are they trading Bishop at the deadline, or are they just going to... Bishop would have to be healthy and contributing for them to trade, and he hasn't really been healthy the last two seasons. If I told you Bishop, Hudobin, and Holpe are the three listed as on the roster, which one would you say is the youngest? Without looking. It's probably Bishop. And you would be wrong. The oldest is Anton Hudobin at 35. Oh, I knew he was that old. Second is Ben Bishop at 34. Holtby is only 31. Huh. Yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't think it either. But so there's another. I mean, and then you get down to their other three goaltenders in the minors. Ottinger's 22. Adam Shield 22. Colton Point 23. <laughs> there's no middle ground <laughs> in their goaltending. <laughs> no, uh, and Hudobin is probably going to be the starter. I and I agree. So that means Ottinger is going to have to wait in the wings yet again. Uh, it, it, it's an interesting dynamic what they have down there. Uh, and yeah, you're right. It really all depends on how the chips fall because 
to steal your word, squishy. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't even want to place a prop bet uh, with like a ten to one payout on the top five teams to to on on the top five teams to make it in the West. I could I place a prop bet on the bottom five teams in the West. <laughs> that would be a whole lot easier. Unfortunately, yes, it would. I mean, Arizona has been aiming for 32 since, like, May. Well, yes, they traded away all their goaltending. They've traded away pretty much every trade piece they have, uh, with the exception of Jacob Chikrin. No, they got Keller. Okay, but that's about it. Okay. Yes, but that's <laughs> only because they have to hit the cap floor. Are they even close to it? <laughs> They are officially well. Uh, let's see. Dead. I thought they had. They some. are eleven million. Uh, they're almost twelve million under the cap ceiling. Wow. Uh, the cap floor is. Oh gosh, it's. I don't remember, but I think it's around fifty-five. They're only at like sixty-nine. So yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. Hey, Dallas. It, it, Back to the original point of the story, though. Good to have Tyler back. Good to hear that he's healthy. Somebody yeah. who and somebody who I guess isn't healthy again. Sidney Crosby. Uh, he's expected to miss six weeks with after having wrist surgery. Uh, looking <sighs> around at the various stories, it's going to be at least six weeks. Uh, that's. That's kind of an issue when your number one center is not going to be around, uh, particularly as they've also been a high-end goal scorer for you for years. Um, a part of me is starting to wonder how much longer he's going to keep playing. Uh, because his injury list, it, it grows every season. Um, oh, was it not last year? Not this Not this past shortened season, but the year before. Did he not? Was he not out until like January with that core, whatever it was, surgery? Was that two years ago? Was that three years ago? He had the Uh, core surgery. Off the top of my head, I don't remember which year it was. And he was out until like middle of January. He played 55 of 56 games last year, so pretty good. Okay. Had 67 points. Previous year, though, I think that's what you were talking about. Um, 41 games out of 40 and 47 points. So, I mean, the production is still there, but he's he's, missing. He's missing more games. Yeah. He hasn't played a complete season since the 17, 18. And that wasn't a good season by his standards with 89 points in 82 games. And Oh, by the way, Gino not getting any younger and he's been hitting. He's been hit with the injury bug as of late as well. Um, and when you look at the fact that Crosby goes from an actual salary this season of around nine million to three million for each of the last three years on his cap on his contract, it would be pretty easy, given what he's earned in his career, to say thank you, but uh, no thank you. I want to spend some time with my health and uh, traveling to a continent where I don't have any immediate relatives. I think my biggest concern with this particular surgery, this particular injury, mm-hmm. is that it's not new. 
it's something that he's been and to quote here to quote Hextall here this is not a new injury for Sid it's something he has played through for years he actually had surgery on the same wrist the left wrist last August that's concerning because now it's a repeat injury it's something that they're constantly fixing i i gotta i gotta side with you how much longer is he going to play he's 34 years old i i mean he he's still there yes uh he's still there gene hill's still there but no more mark andre Fleury. latang is still there too tang is still there and that's only because um Fletcher was not allowed to deal him away for a younger Vince Dunn from St. Louis. So you're not allowing your team to. I thought that was Hextall, not Fletcher. I think Fletcher is the current GM. No, Hextall is the current GM. Oh, okay. Because, Because Fletcher just outright quit. When he was told he couldn't trade Latang, he said, "Okay, I'm done. See ya." <laughs> That's still hilarious. It, it, <laughs> he just went, "You know what? Okay, not dealing with this crap. See ya." <laughs> uh, he did not resign. I mean, he did not retire. He, he did not gave the Andrew Dice Clay uh, exit. He exited, and yeah. that was the end of that. And then they went, "You know what?" The best option we have is to bring in our arch rivals, former goaltender. Absolutely. <laughs> because we can't think of anybody else we'd rather have in in our front office making deals. <laughs> and so far, it's been a brilliant move. I mean, look at look at all the cups they've won. Mind boggling. Mind boggling. But I do. I feel bad. I, I, I and it's weird that I'm going to say this, but I do sort of feel bad for the guy. I mean, he's having a second surgery on the same injury. I don't know how much longer. I this. I mean, we could be seeing the end. This could be like the last year. Next year could be the last year. I don't think he's going to do much. I don't see him playing much beyond the next year or two. I mean, let's let's be honest. He's won the cup what three times at this point. What does he? I, I guess you could say what does he have left to prove? Whether you agree. That's, that, that's the question. Whether you agree that he deserved the Conn Smythe Trophy, uh, he's got it, or not? It's not being taken back, which is still an insult. But okay, uh, he's got he's won Olympic gold, he's won World Juniors, he's won the Stanley Cup three times. He's clearly going to be going into the Hall of Fame. It's not, you know, I he's not my favorite player. I don't. I'm not particularly warmed when he speaks. Um, and I know from watching the game that he has gotten a lot way with a lot more on the ice than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Has he taken his fair share of slashes and jabs? And I'm sure he has. Yeah. Does that but, mean I have to like him? No. <laughs> but he's going into the Hall of Fame. It's not a question. It's not a debate. Um, the only real question is whether they're going to vote him in uh, unanimously or not. And that, I think that that is a very interesting question for the end of his career. But what they're, what they're putting out on the ice, except for Malkin, Crosby, uh, the fact that they brought in Jeff Carter at the deadline. Isn't, 
convincing. It's, I guess convincing is probably the because if you take out that skill and Malk and Cross don't don't get me wrong, Malk and Crosby and Carter very skillful. Um, I'm I'm not even gonna go there with Latang, but okay. With, I mean, you, after after Malkin Crosby and Gensel. Yeah. The next best player on the team might actually be John Marino. I agree. I, I agree. I like John Marino. I've seen. I mean, having seen him play, having watched him practice, I mean, it, I like John Marino. I know he's from here, and maybe a little biased, but not terribly so. No, not for but me. I, I like John Marino. But it's probably one of those two guys, and yep. I mean, Dumoulin is now thirty. He makes all of four point one million, and if he's arguably your best defenseman. That's saying a whole lot about the rest of your defense. And yet not the highest paid. No. Interesting. Someone's paying for past performance. Well, I don't know who. Uh, Michael Matheson? I I don't want to be mean and say who the hell is he, but who the He's hell is defenseman. he? I understand that. He's listed as a left defenseman. I can read that as well. But I don't remember him ever. And well, I thought that's I because knew because there's only about four players that they talk to talk about on that roster. Oh, and admittedly okay. he has played most of his career uh for the Florida Panthers. That could explain why, okay. But I mean he's not exactly an offensive juggernaut. Uh in his final year, uh two seasons ago with the Panthers, he scored eight goals and twelve assists for twenty points in fifty nine games. Not terrible. No. Um, and last year it was six, five, eleven, and sixteen in forty-four games. So really about the same production going from Florida to Florida Pit to Pittsburgh. Okay. No, fair enough. I just, uh, I guess the whole being buried in Florida and Florida not really. He did also play for Boston College for three years. You think I would remember him from there, but I still don't. No, uh, he's not the most memorable player, which in a defenseman is often good. Okay, but, fair enough. Look, I mean, just looking at the rest of their roster, I'm like, meh. Yeah, basically. I Dan mean, you've Heinen. got Zach Aston-Reese and Dan Heinen and Evan Rodriguez. Okay, Evan Rodriguez played at BU. I do know him. Um, Zach we have reasonable Reese. discussions about Casper, uh, Kapanainen, and Brian Rust, but Jason Zucker, why? <laughs> why? Ouch! Hey, he has I a have no not trade been impressed clause. by him in years. He has a no trade clause, and he makes five and a half million dollars. He must be good. Yes, that's that's the way it works. If you get a big contract, you automatically fulfill it. You must be good, yeah, of course. <sighs> no, this team is. I don't. I don't see him playing. And you've got two. You got at least two Hall of Famers and Jeff Carter. I mean, if you're being generous, you might have four Hall of Famers. Um, but realistically, you probably. I would only. I think I would honestly only vote for two. Jeff Carter being one of them. No. 
Oh, okay. Yes, Malkin and Crosby. Uh, I just, I can't bring myself to do that to Chris Letang. I can't. Sorry. No. No. Just no. I, yeah, no, I can't. I was going to try and make an argument, but no. Uh, okay, so we've got healthy, we've got not so healthy, and then we've got Pierre Dorian declaring that the rebuild is over. And I will take his word for it as a stronger statement uh, in alignment, uh, in closer alignment with reality than if certain people above him had uh, made the statement. Um, They must have him locked in a closet with duct tape over his mouth. Assuming he wasn't actually abducted by aliens at some point and no one's bothered to report it. I haven't Um, heard from him in a long time, which is which is a benefit to the Ottawa senators. (laughs) It's been like two years. Um, I don't I mean, it was well before COVID the last time I had I actually spoke. Uh, we actually said anything about him on the show and whatever crazy was falling out of his keyboard. Um, um, so rhetoric. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about uh, the relative the teams who are probably going to make the playoffs this yeah. year. We did sort of Give me a point total for this year's Ottawa senators, assuming everyone plays all 82 this year's Ottawa senators. And for the, uh, for, uh, for the fun of it, we will say that they actually get around to, Resigning their UFAs uh, or their RFAs, Brady Kachuk, um, and they actually have resigned uh, Drake Batherson. Um, so assume that they've resigned Brady Kachuk before camp, and he is in game shape when when the season opens. How many points will they have for 82 games worth of hockey? Yep. Are you looking at a 70-point team here? Are we looking at a 105-point team? Are we looking uh, at a 55-point team? I was going to go somewhere in the middle of all those things. I'm thinking somewhere. I was thinking literally 65 to 70 points before you said anything. It's certainly not 105. I don't think they're going to be challenging for a uh, president's trophy. You're not, so you're not putting together. You're not seeing this as a uh, as a playoff team this year. Seventy points doesn't get them into the playoffs. Uh, not in an eighty-two game season, no. Then I don't think they make it this year. I don't think so either. I mean, realistically, you're looking at a ninety-two. Uh, 92 to 94 points as the minimum to get into the playoffs most years uh, or multiple seasons. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. About 90 points I think would be. If we look back at uh, the 1819 season as the last full year. Um, 16 uh, team number 16 was the Vegas golden Knights. They were at 93 uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, were at 90 points, and the uh, world-class Ottawa Senators were at 64. 
I think that they're a better team now than they were in the 18-19 season. Okay, uh, so we bumped the, even if you bumped them up to 75 to 80 points, and it's a possible, it's certainly a strong possibility, they still don't make the playoffs. And my argument for that is they still have Matt Murray in that. Uh, well, they have him when he's healthy. Okay, when he's healthy, yeah. Um, I am I am going to go with 80 points as my prediction for this year's Ottawa Senators. Okay. I think that's a fair number. I, I really do. I feel that's a fair number for them. I think I think they're going to be better than last year. I mean, yes, last year being short and whatever. It, they've got a lot of young talent. We talk about it all the time. I think I mean, the defense just, needs to gel a little more, and I really – I just don't trust their goaltending yet. Uh, yeah, neither Forsberg or nor – Matt Murray, fill me with awe. Well, definitely not Forsberg. I saw. I mean, we saw him when he was in Chicago and Eek. Matt Murray, um, he can have when those healthy, games. He can play well. I simply have no belief in his ability to stay healthy for an entire season. He's not. He's not a sixty-game-a-year goaltender. He's I, not. A, I don't even know if he's a fifty-game-a-year goaltender. Fifty, I think, is being generous. He's probably, to me, he's probably right at the thirty-eight to forty mark, which to me is not a number one goaltender. Ding, ding, ding. But I've been saying that all along. I'm pretty sure. But it's like from a a, a reasonably objective hockey fan standpoint, mm-hmm. a team that has Thomas Shabbat and Nikita uh, Zaitsev on the back end. And then up front, you have Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk, uh, Connor Brown, Drake Batherson, uh, Tim Stutzel, and Cole Sherwood. So we have no— Really th- hard to root against. Right. So we, we, we agree that they're not going to have a problem putting the puck in the net. Yeah, it's going to be keeping it out uh, that I, I that I believe will be their greatest challenge. Keeping them out of their own net. I mean, they bring in Victor Mete on on waivers. I mean, one point two million just for the one year. They bring in Nick Holden, who has some playoff experience. I mean, he played with the Bruins. He played with Vegas. Yep. Uh, Michael Delzato liked him when he was younger. Thirty one years old now. Settled down. I, I, he's obviously he is what he is. Eric Brandstrom, the good young rookie. Um, I think that defense needs to gel and, and show us what they can do, but they got to do something about you don't have a number one in net. And then you look at the four goaltenders in their mind. They just brought in Philip Gustafson and signed him to, I mean, and he's not the, he's not the older Gustafson that the Bruins had. This is the young Philip Gustafson mm-hmm. that they brought in. And he, in very small sample size in in my opinion it was very small but he actually looked pretty good but i don't know i don't know enough about him to know whether he's a number one yet i'm i'm not confident that they have a number one in their system but i mean which isn't saying which isn't saying that i dislike their goaltending or their goaltenders and think that they're all junk well philip gustafson played nine games in the shortened season Mm -hmm. and on a team that was 
not strong defensively. He had a 2.16 goals against and a 933 save percentage. Now, again, nine games is a small sample size, as I said. But 2.16 and 9.33 on that team, if if you can extrapolate that out to a a, a full year, he's got the skills to actually do something about it. I mean, did we see Matt Murray at all uh, in 2021? Yes, we did. He played in 27 games. Uh Uh-huh. Anybody want to care to guess how badly he played in 27 games? I'm guessing he had a goals against noticeably over three. 3.38. How much? 3.38? 3.38. And I'm going to guess his save percentage was, I'm going to be really nice and say that it was under 9.10. Um, 893. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Anton Forsberg played in eight games for the Ottawa Senators last season. <clears throat> 3.21 goals against average. And, oh, wait, a 909 save percentage. So just a shade under the 910 that you were giving to Matt Murray. Sorry. It, Philip Gustafson may be their best option. You just need to figure out if he can handle a heavy workload. <laughs> he may be this year's um, uh, Lankinen, Kevin Lankinen from Chicago. <laughs> or uh, Nadelkovic. Yeah, or Nadelkovic. That's true. Yeah, he's another one. I just it, they don't have and that's the biggest worry with them is they don't have somebody in that crease that you can trust night in, night out, is going to deliver wins. Uh, nope. We are closer, far closer to the start of the regular season than we are to the start of free agency and certainly the start of the offseason for most teams. And I cannot remember a time when there was a more valuable trio of free agents of RFAs unsigned by one team this close to the opening of camp. This is disheartening. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know if there's like some sort of gamesmanship that's being uh, I, I, played by the general managers. See, I don't know if this is an ownership thing or a, or a front office thing because we haven't seen until very until last year, maybe certainly this off season, uh, Jim Benning fail to get his talent signed in a reasonable time span uh, before now. Brock Besser ran a little bit late during all of the funness uh, of the previous season but right now they have 11, just under 11 million in cap space. And that's before this trio of players. Um, cap friendly is estimating there are 14 forwards that would be on their roster opening night and eight defense. We all know that math doesn't work. Um, and that's not counting Michael Furland, who's uh, on who's on injured reserve. Um, they do they do have their goaltending lo- uh, locked up with Demko and Halak, but 
these three four these three players, Elias Patterson, uh oh, two players, I'm sorry, from two players from Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. Uh Kachuk and Hughes. I flat out do not get. Um why in the world would you not get these guys signed before you can build animosity that they have time to sit on in the off season during the year guys have other stuff on their mind. They have travel, they have family, they have playing games, practices, uh, all of the stuff that their kids are doing and their family is doing and dodging requests for tickets from family members and people they went to junior high school with, but haven't seen since. Now is but the, the issue... off season they can no. sit on it. Okay. It can fester and it will yeah. affect the next, next contract negotiation. Well, one thing that I can say is that Elias Patterson back in January left his representation and decided to join Quinn Hughes at CAA. Pat Brisson, eek, apparently, and his partner, Barry, uh, Barry, Barry. I don't have a last name for Barry, but that's all right. Um, apparently, they put the screws, and I'm quoting right out of an article from Sportsnet Central, or Sportsnet, Sportsnet CA, excuse me. Uh, it says, Barry, you may recall, put the screws to Benning in securing lucrative contracts for Tyler Myers and Louis Erickson in recent off-seasons. But they were UFAs, not RFAs. Yep. My question is, is Benning not dealing with – I mean, is he gun-shy because he got hosed before? And that's part of the problem? I mean, I, I – I, I'm with you. Irrelevant. I don't understand why he why he hasn't inked these two players. They're key young players to that organization. It's literally irrelevant because you can't. Uh, oh, J.P. Barry is the uh, gentleman Thank you're you. thinking of. Okay. But I don't understand. I, I still don't understand why he hasn't inked these guys to. Some kind of contract. Uh, it 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 boggles the it boggles the mind, boggles the imagination. Whatever the phrase may be, I'm not understanding it. And I didn't think that Benning was, as you said, I didn't think that he was. You know, I I have to wonder if this is an ownership issue. Okay. Um, Brock Besser is not signed past the end of the year. He'll be an RFA with um, with arbitration rights. I can't imagine them not wanting to keep him. Um, Zach McEwen, a little bit further down the roster. Uh, he's an RFA this offseason. Uh, but those two are going to need contracts at some point uh, soon. Uh, Rathbone is another young guy that they're going to want to keep paying uh, if they're going to keep him. Maybe maybe ownership has put the brakes on things and said, look, they don't have any leverage. Sign them to a bridge deal for uh, two years and then renegotiate, then negotiate the big deal. Um, 
it's possible that uh, Hughes and Pedersen's uh, representation has decided that, nah, they want a bigger deal now. They want $5 million a year each or five and a quarter each, which in Hughes' case, offensively pretty justifiable. I mean, he outscored a lot of forwards last year. Um, uh, Elias Pedersen, you know, former rookie of the year. There's okay. n- there's not a lot that you can talk about against these two guys. Yes, it would be nice if Pedersen put on like 15 pounds and didn't scare me skating around at 6'2 and 176 pounds. Um, and Quinn Hughes is, you know, even smaller at 170 yeah, uh, unfortunately, he is not the tallest of the Hughes brothers, uh, nor the um, most possessed of girth. Um, but even Pedersen, he had 66 points in his first two se- each of his first two seasons. Um, first time in 71 games and the second time in 68, uh, 18 points in 17 playoff games um, in the 1920 season. The 2021 season, which has an enormous asterisk because of everything, you know, that team was hit by, uh, I believe it was two COVID uh, delays of schedule. What, the Vancouver? Vancouver. Yeah, they were, they were ridiculous. They were still playing regular season games when the playoffs started. Oh, they were still playing, I think, into the second round. And no, yet, I don't with think all it went the- that deep, but. With all the distractions, he still put in 21 points in 26 games. And you're talking about games where if the playoffs started and they're still playing regular season, clearly they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And yet you still have players giving effort. I mean, I watched the last three games that they played. And to watch a guy like JT Miller, I mean, and the effort that he put in, and you watch Quinn Hughes and him on the – I mean, it was like – Okay, these guys are still playing hard, even though they know they're not getting in the playoffs because playoffs are happening on the TV while they're playing a regular season game. <laughs> those are the guys you want to keep. Like you would think. Those are the, gu- those are the guys you want to keep. Absolutely, it, guys who play that hard in futile effort in efforts that are only going uh, into the record books because. Um, those, those are the guys you want on your roster. You know, it's yes. Uh, both Hughes and Patterson were playing for contracts, but guess what? I got a gigantic spoiler for you and for everyone listening. You might want to write this down. Okay. Got my pencil. You may want to hold on to something, uh, remove all fluids, solids from your mouth and just breathe carefully. No choking on this enormous shock that I'm about to deliver to your system. Am I going to be able to do this while holding the pencil? Maybe. Okay. I am very, very, very convinced that both Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes really, really like playing hockey. Guess what it makes? Guess what? Guess what that does? It makes it easier for them to go to the rink and leave it all on the ice. Good games, bad games, good seasons, bad seasons. And again, these are the guys you want to keep. 
Is it because they don't want to sell cars? Uh, and despite various tweets about Quinn Hughes uh, this uh, earlier today, I don't think he's actually leaving for the NH- uh, for the NFL. Um, Quinn Hughes is going to the NFL. Oh, there was a there was a goofy tweet. Uh, I clearly missed that one. Uh, Huggy forty three bear. Um, tweeted, breaking uh, Quinn Hughes' quit hockey to become a professional football player. Um, he's on the sidelines at – actually, he's on the sidelines at a Michigan game, which isn't professional football. So this that is – would be, That would be college football, and that tweet would have happened yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday, because they play on Saturdays. I missed it yesterday, but um, – I mean, they played. They played Washington, but they were in the big house. And it, anyway, <sighs> so he's leaving to play football. Okay, ha ha. Sure. Yeah. I I doubt that very highly because I'm pretty sure his talent lies on the ice. Um, but if nothing else, or his main, deal main talent, for his major each talent. of these guys, two years, three million, will get us past at least one flat cap year. It's and, not much of a pay raise, but it is a pay raise. And you can then safely evaluate how they are returning to the long season or the normal season, I guess. And who on the team you can get rid of to make sure you have uh, have time to or have have salary space to play to pay them and to keep them happy. I just do not get what there's got to be something going on. Uh, yeah, I don't understand either. And we and we talked about the third guy. We talked about him last week, and we mentioned him a couple times in the show already. And that's Brady Kachuk. And Brady how Kachuk is part of that Ottawa Senators team that is done rebuilding. Oh, oh wait, the rebuild is over. Yeah, uh, the rebuild is. Uh huh. Uh, I I want to know what's going on here. Willing to fight Shea Weber. If you don't have, you know, the building blocks. It actually says that in the bargaining chips. Like I said, there's an article in, on Sportsnet CA, and it says Brady Kachuk, age 21, position left wing, salary cap hit last season, 925000 doesn't have arbitration rights. Bargaining chips. Finished fifth in Calder votes in 2019, 125 points through first 198 NHL games. Okay, I should say that again. 125 points, 198 games. Yeah, on a that's not bad. Particularly great team. Plays 18 plus minutes per night. <clears throat> Willing to fight Shea Weber. Hits hard and often. Beloved by teammates and fans. His prime will align with Senator's ascent, Captain Material. Absolutely. I have loved watching every <laughs> NHL game I have seen with Brady Kachuk play. Not so much when he was in college, but yes. <laughs> in college, I think it's it's unfair to say it. Um, Still it appeared there was a lot of going through the reps, uh, going through the motions to get reps and to – spend more time 
building his his health and his body than to rack up great stats. Okay, fair enough. I, but he go ahead. And I was just gonna say, but he's another one that I don't understand why Dorian hasn't, and there's no explanation as to uh, to why Dorian hasn't signed him. It, it doesn't make sense. On August 5th, Sean Simpson reported that Brady loves the crew in Ottawa, but he's totally waiting to see if ownership is willing to spend what it takes to deliver a cup team. How that relates to the summer and his deal, I'm not sure, but it was made very clear that he would be all in long term if ownership does the same. At the same time, they know the business and won't be playing any games. End quote. That honestly brings me less hope that he will actually be there long term. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Dorian can't build a strong team because I think he has the foundation, the building blocks, as you uh, however you want to phrase it mm-hmm. for that strong team. But Ottawa has never had the greatest attendance, the greatest jersey and concession sales. Um and no, but I'm sure that I'm sure that I'm sure with the youth movement on that team, they're getting some attention. I mean, to have guys like Shabbat and Stutzla and Kachuk and Colin White and Norris and the list goes and Batherson. I mean, there's going to be some youth up there that start liking the team. They they. <sighs> You can't just not. You can't just ignore them. I mean, especially if they do start winning. So, would it not behoove them to get this kid under contract, even if Yesterday, you again have to ago. do, even if again you have to do some kind of bridge deal, make it, you know, explain to him, look, flat cap, this is the money. We revisit in two years, and then we talk big race. Uh, for Ottawa, there's no, there's not even a, re, there's not even a cap concern. They've got oh, eleven okay. million dollars. Then what the hell are they waiting for? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, they've got twenty-four million dollars in cap space. Then okay, what the twenty-four million dollars in cap space? And that's with most of their roster signed. Okay, sign him and then go find yourself a goaltender and give him some money. They can legitimately trade for Tarasenko and Hudobin, (laughs) put them on the roster, and still have close to $10 million left. No, I think they'd have $11 million left because I – Hudobin's Hudobin's at three threes, three three. Okay, I thought he was closer to five. No, Hudobin's under four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Tarasenko is at, at seven, seven and a half. So seven and a half, three, so say they, three and a half. So you're looking at 11 mil between the two of them. So if they traded for the two of them without taking anyone off their roster, and that's not how it would work, but if they added the two of them without losing anyone off their roster, they would still be 13 million under the cap. I don't think they can afford Brady at this point. No. <laughs> what the heck's going on? Pierre, stop stop going out and running quotes. Just go no, sign no, this see, game. If if that if Brady is being mm, Brady's being a hundred percent honest in that quote, mm-hmm. he believes it's ownership. 
um, which in which case insanity makes a whole lot more sense. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure I have a good feeling. Um, and, you know, given where he played his college hockey and given everything we know about the local media, not to mention the local fans, and, you know, where his father grew up. I have to wonder when exactly uh, the Kachuk to Boston rumors will start. I'm sure they've already started with to St. Louis because that's where he was born. But. Yeah, I don't I don't see this as a really as a good situation for the senators. It's going to become a distraction if this is allowed to drag out to camp. And even afterwards, if he doesn't appear to be very happy to still be an Ottawa senator. I have one more name to throw at you, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but it is interesting. Is this Rasmus Stalin? No, but he's another one that we could talk about. No, this is a guy who's actually won some hardware. And he actually is a couple years older. Oh, that one. Yeah. Um, um, why? And yes, I, I don't understand. I also don't understand why he's arbitration eligible and didn't file, but okay. Um, he's a left wing for, um, oh yeah, Billy Garen in the Minnesota Wild. Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov is still unsigned, and they are, oh wait for it, 12, <clears throat> 12.2 million under the cap. Um, now, because of his 10, 10-2-C status, he's immune to an offer sheet. His only leverage is uh, he could threaten to sign in the KHL. Yeah. Um, and yet last, still nothing. The last that I saw on him was a few week, uh, was about a week and a half ago. Um, and he was at that time supposedly close to a five-year deal. Um, and they were working on uh, the exact numbers. Okay. Uh, on the exact salary, but that was a story that was published on the first, and it is now very late in the day on the twelfth. Um, so I'm just going to go out on a teeny tiny limb here and say that holding your breath may be uh, a little bit um, contraindicated. Michael Russo at Russo Hockey, and I don't know who he writes for or what. Or, or, Tribune? Uh, he used to write for the Tribune. I don't remember if he's still there. Tweeted out on August 23rd, a contract doesn't sound imminent, but the good news on the Kirill Kaprizov contract talks with the Wild, there's been a lot of conversation lately between the Wild and the Calder Trophy, Calder Trophy winner side. Also... CSKA Moscow has publicly stated he's not playing there this season. Interesting. Because, because the the going to the KHL threat has actually been raised. 
apparently earlier in August, it was mentioned by, uh, let's get a name, Frank Saravalli, that there was a deal in place for him to go there. One year, eight figures. Eight for yeah. one year in the KHL, where yeah. unless you are unless you are CSK Moscow, you don't have that kind of money. <laughs> I, it's nice to know that he's not going there, but that doesn't help Bill Guerin. He's got to you got to get this kid. He he was electric. Most of the time, and even when he wasn't electric, he was still putting the puck in the net. And there's one thing Minnesota needs is people who put the puck in the net. And people who can get up ice with the puck sensibly. Oh, well, there's an idea, too. Sure, yeah. I know. I, I, I'm full of radical ideas about it, hockey. It, yeah, radical. They, 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 and just like saying that, you know, oh, wait a minute, I think it was me that said it, that the ability to skate is actually important to playing the sport of hockey. I don't know. It came to me. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Wait, what? The ability to skate is actually important in playing the sport of hockey. I'm going to have to write that down. Okay. Ice hockey, that is. Because there is deck hockey, in which case you just need to learn know how to run or roll. A, well, there's rollerblading. Too. Okay. We, we're there's getting way off track. Totally different sport. Could be enjoyable. I've seen I've seen I've seen field hockey matches. Could be enjoyable to watch, but totally different. Uh, we are starting to run heavy on time. Um, do we want to, want to uh, finish off our last uh, two or three points? Well, before we get to the poll, because we can close with the poll. But what is this Ilya Mikheyev thing? Because we haven't had any good Toronto talk and I haven't trashed them in, I don't know, probably a couple of weeks now. Well, Ilya Mikheyev, uh, uh, supposedly, uh, or is on the record as having asked for a trade at the end of the 2021 season. Isn't he a rookie? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, he was, a, he was a rookie and he's asking to be traded. Yes. Nice. I don't know Given about that. Given the forward depth that they've had there and the fact that they seem to only add forwards. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> I can in no way blame him because he wasn't getting much ice time. And yet still, man- that- Wait. It still managed in 14 minutes a night to put up 17 points in 54 games. In a bottom six role. Yeah. And, well, actually, last year was his second season. The previous year, he put up 23 points and 39 points. Oh, okay, so he's not a rookie. All right. Um, He still played only 93 games, but that's pretty productive for, you know, third, fourth liner. Um, Although he didn't pick up anything in the playoffs, I would have to wonder how much time he was allowed. Um. They probably shortened the bench. And I mean, this is a 6'3", 195-pound, 26-year-old right wing. Um, He's a little beefier than most uh, in the the NHL. If he can protect the puck at all, and admittedly, I don't remember seeing a great deal from him, 
partly because of his ice time. But that could have something to do with it. Either play him or see what you can get for him. You play picked me or him trade up. Me? You picked him up as a UFA. He was not drafted. Anything you get for him in return is a win. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. He can he can be the he can be the answer to the equation. What equals Zach Hyman? Yes, that 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 will do it. I doubt it highly, but okay. I figured I'd throw it out there. <laughs> well, know, like, they seem to think they seem to think Nick Ritchie plus uh, David Kemp equals Zach Hyman. So why can't Mikheyev equal Zach Hyman? I don't know. It, their math up there, I don't understand it, but okay. Since everyone seems to want to be dump uh, to dump uh, Zach Senishin for guys who don't want to be in a city or aren't working out, how about a straight-up trade there? I mean, I can't imagine our marvelous GM here in Boston doing that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine Kyle can't imagine Dubas making a trade in in division, but or in uh, yeah, in division. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Rangers were clearly glad to take all of our uh, all great, of our first round picks, all of our great youth and talent and picks, and hand us a certain somebody, a broken and unmotivated, yeah. But I I, I don't know if Dubis is willing to trade this Mikheyev kid to Boston for Zach Sanishin. Doesn't look like they're willing to trade him at all. Um, Based on what I'm reading, they made it clear they do not want to accommodate his request and have told him they consider him a key part of the team moving forward. uh Uh-huh. I'll believe it when I see him rolled out in a top six role. Because to me, that that usually screams top six or or that usually screams key part. Bottom six forward doesn't mean key part to you? 14 minutes a night does not, um, I don't know. Was Sean Thornton a key part to the team? Was Gregory Campbell? That was on a cup winning team where the standard is a little tiny bit higher. But in order to win a cup, you have to win a playoff round and then win another (laughs) and then win another and then win that last one. So the whole losing to the Bruins in the first round all the time is not good? They can lose to other teams in the first round, but uh, yes, the whole point is advance in the playoffs until there's no games left, and Uh, then win the last one. Okay, now I get it. Yes, uh, certain ownership groups are going to have to write that one down. Such as the one with the little blue leaf on their uniform. Yes, I don't think it's actually ever been known to them, certainly not in my lifetime. It, well, it was like 55 years ago, but. Well, before I was born. Yes. Um, but, you know, you look at the rest of this team. I, I understand where you're going, though, because, uh, yes, if they have they have all these forwards that you you have to make room for. And. It, there's only one puck to go around. I'm sorry, and you got to play Austin Matthews 20 minutes a night. You got to play Marner 20 minutes a night. You got Tavares, so you're going to have to pay uh, play. Oh, uh, yeah. Nylander and Kerfoot are guys they think highly of. That's five of the top six uh, 
That's five of the top six right there. And you still have, you know, Wayne Simmons and Jason Spezza uh, and the amazing Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha and David Camp. And that's before you get to any of the guys who might come out of there, uh, who might come out of there. Um, minor league, uh, the Marley's minor league system, minor league system. And guess what? They have signed Josh Hosang to a PTO. So he could be in there. He could be on their opening night roster. Anyway, he slips through and could no, cause I don't trust that. Uh, yeah, I don't trust the Sweeney's Sweeney's yeah. to, uh, no, no, no. Good call on that. I don't either. Uh, still unsure on the goaltending defense. I like Muzzin, always have. The rest of it, no. Okay, so they're not winning a first-round playoff series anytime soon. Next. Not this year, not next year, not unless the other team, uh, you know, eight or ten of them get run over by the Zamboni uh, just before the game. Oh, and... By the way, their current cap space is a big fat zero. Just saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're actually technically over the cap at the moment, but why should we worry about that? You want to worry about that? Mm, not at the moment. Okay. As I said, next. Anything else we need to cover? Should we talk about Patrice Bergeron? Um, we did do the Bergeron. We did do a poll just to see where uh, listeners lined up uh, with our views on Bergeron. Um, and a comfortable majority of 62.5% uh, do believe that uh, Patrice Bergeron is likely to play that 376 games to take uh, Boston's all-time uh, games played list uh, to hit the top of the all-time games list for the Boston 300, Bruins. 376 games. Yeah. 82 games a season. So that's a little over, I don't know, another four years. I think we figured another. it at five years if fully healthy, but um, yeah. Well, eight times four, yeah, eight times four is thirty-two. So eighty times four would be three hundred and twenty. Um, four point five eight, yeah. So he put he needs to play five more seasons, and the fact that he has <clears throat> stated that he will figure out his hockey future after the conclusion of this year is somewhat terrifying as a Bruins fan, as a Bergeron fan. I really um, don't want to hear him saying that. It's what he said, and I I know that we've we've duly and rightfully criticized Sweeney and Neely for a number of years. I have to wonder what his confidence level and their ability to deliver a cup-winning team is. Uh, I mean, Krejci disappeared. Well, they made it. They 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 expended every effort to, you know, get it a second line center. Oh yeah. Wow, yeah. I said that with a straight face. 
I'm very proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, damn, I laughed. <laughs> I just, I, I, you have to, he has to be questioning something if he's going to make a statement like that. And he's not going to be, and because I understand he was healthy last year. Yeah. Uh, and the year before, and productive, obviously. Um, both last year and and the year before. Sure, both were shorter seasons, um, thanks to everything. He plays on top line. He plays on. He plays every possible situation so it's not like you're lessening his minutes it's not i mean that was one of the things with chara was they wanted to lessen his minutes but even chara you know as he creeped up to 40 and over 40 was still playing 20 plus minutes a night 21 22 minutes a night you couldn't even reduce his minute i mean so you you can't really he's on the top line and granted he's playing with marchand and and pasternak but you're still out there 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes a night. He's the one true way to really preserve him. And that's not the greatest word to use, but I can't think of another one. Extend but his lifetime or extend maybe. his hockey career, hockey life. Uh, yeah. Playing would be to playing career, yeah. would be to somehow manage his minutes. And I don't know how to do that, given the current construction of the team. Could you take him off of a lot of the penalty killing without a huge loss? Probably. Really? And you're putting he's already, in there. He's already been outside the top two for penalty kill minutes the last two or three years Replaced on the team. Uh, you've, had, you've had a couple of different guys in front of him. And we can go into that uh, next week uh, if you really want to. Okay. Um, but there was an interesting question uh, posed by the nice folks over at Sports Illustrated about um, uh, Adam Proteo. Uh, one of the questions in a recent column from him, will the Vancouver – I'm sorry, will the Philadelphia Flyers' many changes pay off? Um. Voracek was dealt for Atkinson. Um, they added Ryan Ellis and Rasmus Ristolainen. Um, they added Keith Yandel. Um, those are the guys who are expected to make the biggest difference. Carter Hart is really expected to bounce back. Um, they brought in Martin Jones to be the number two, and I think anyone can safely say that Based on the last three years of hockey, yes, Carter Hart is the better goaltender of the pair. Um, okay. So what? A what counts as paying off for this team? Is it make the playoffs? Is it advance out of the first round? What what counts as payoff for the Flyers? Until you establish the answer to that question, you can't. Until you establish the answer to that question about what constitutes payoff you can't answer this question of will the change will the changes uh, pay off and for me considering what they haven't done which is make a deep playoff run 
in a significant amount of time. Yeah. I think that needs to be the goal. I mean, so I love to say just, to- I'd love to say just making the playoffs, but no, I think if you're the Flyers, you need to be making it to the quarterfinals, semifinals. You can't you can't be satisfied for with a first or a second round exit. So you you want them in the conference finals? I think that that's what the answer to the question is. What constitutes payoff? In that case, my answer is no. Not unless Carter Hart has a virtuoso year. I love Ryan Ellis. I've been a big fan of Keith Yandel for a long time. Um, I think that Ras. We've talked about the value of Rasmus Ristolainen and his enormous <laughs> shot blocking uh, capabilities and willingness to do it. Um. And how he was basically alone on an island with the goaltenders while he was in Buffalo. Um, I firmly believe that we're going to see that we have the potential to see the best Ristolainen uh, we've seen this year, even with the guy behind the bench. Um, but I can't, I can't say right now that I can see them beating two teams um, and making it that far because it, assume the two teams are in their division they open the playoffs they they climb into the third spot uh in the playoffs for their for the division uh so they play number two that number two is pittsburgh can they beat pittsburgh yeah i'll give them pittsburgh um second round is either washington or the islanders Mm-hmm. That's tougher. I I I agree with you, although my answer is slightly different. I mean, I like the fact that they added three defensemen. You added Ristolainen, and you added Ryan Ellis, you added Keith Yandel. They have, if nothing else, at least solidified the blue line. Yes, the blue line is now viable. I mean, however. Claude Giroux, 33. Now Kevin Hayes, 29. Going to hit 30. Van Riemsdyk, 32. Atkinson, 32. Uh, Oh, wait. Derek Broussard, 33. Nate Thompson, 36. Wow. I forgot around that long. I think I could skate around some of these guys. Uh, They do have a considerable amount of... uh, Graybeards on the roster. Mm-hmm. Now I, I, Sean Couturier, Selkie winner. Where's an A? He's 28. They're not. I'm not seeing much in the way of. Oh wait, there's a 24 year old in Travis Konechny. I like him, by the way. Yeah. Um, Carter Hart's about, still young. We know about Oscar Lindblom. I'm just talking about forwards. Goaltending. Oh, yeah. The goaltending, I mean, you're hoping Martin Jones is going to have some kind of resurgence as a backup, which because I'm pretty sure that Carter Hart is going to unless you're going to run them literally 50 50 in games and each one is going to get 41. I think that's a bad idea. I do, too. Farabee at 21. I like Joel Farabee. Morgan Frost at 22. That's it. Lindblom and Obe Kubel are both 25, and Lawton's 27. Everybody else, 
I can't think of I mean their average age of forwards is twenty eight point two. Yes. I don't I can't think of a single team where it's a single other team where it's actually over twenty seven. So what was that thing that beat beat Vegas last year? What was the problem with them? Um they were slow. Okay. I mean, they did make a deep playoff run. They managed. I mean, it was a strange, strangely configured playoffs, but they. I don't see it happening here. No, the East is a lot stronger than the West was. Um, right. That's why I don't see it happening. here. <laughs> no, I, I can't see them. I can't see them in the Eastern Conference. Finals. I get your I get your argument, but that's my argument. I just don't see it happening. Can they put the puck in the net? Yeah, I think Cam can have. Cam Atkinson is a good goal scorer. They've got a couple of good youngsters, but I don't see where the speed's coming from. I don't see where they're keeping up with the, uh, if they ever did get to the Stanley Cup final and have to play a team such as Colorado. Uh Nobody on this team's keeping up with McKinnon. This team isn't even going to keep up with, um, with Toronto and Tampa. And well, and that and therein lies your and therein lies your your conference finals. So, yep, you're done. Uh, I mean, they would legitimately have to hope that Boston or the Rangers even knock off uh, those two teams so that they don't have to face them, because, no, I give them not even a five percent chance of winning a seven game series against either of them. And I would complete, and I and I agree. And like uh, I said, until you sort out the goaltending, that's another issue because yeah, Martin Jones is I'm sure going to want to be a starter. I think with the improvement in defense, that the goaltending is almost taken care of itself. Almost, they still almost. have to have the confidence to do to actually play. Yeah. Um, and that. That confidence or lack of confidence is going to be the hero or the villain in net. Um, on September 11th, Bodog CA on Twitter uh, tweeted a picture of Patrice Bergeron. Uh, I'm sorry, Brad Marchand uh, at the All Star Skills Competition next to a certain number 15 for Buffalo, um, with the question "hero or villain," and Former NHL referee Tim Peel, who we might have had a comment or four uh, about on the show over the last couple of years. I don't remember him at all. Oh, okay, might be in my imagination. Okay. Um, his he uh, retweeted it with the with the uh, quote: "One of my favorite players to referee. Always had a good relationship with uh, B Marsh sixty three. Uh, have a great season. I'll miss seeing you. And yes, he d- he actually mentions Brad Marchand in the pick in the tweet. And on the one hand, I I actually like the fact that despite the vibrancy and um, volume of Brad Marchand's personality, he's never been one of those guys who's always on the officials. He will give it to them when he thinks they deserve it, but he's usually been 
he hasn't been as ridiculous as other players that we've mentioned in this show. Um, yes. And on the other hand, it's Tim Peel, who. <laughs> oh, I love not the most competent NHL official I've ever seen. I love it. I love the way his little description is. Tim Peel, <clears throat> retired National Hockey League referee, now mortgage broker, verbo sales manager, Instagram. Okay, retired. Retired. We kind of we kind of just left out the fact that mm, might have been a little forced <laughs> for a certain situation where he yeah. Might have left his microphone on. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's good that he, I mean, it's nice that they have. It's nice to recognize that officials are human beings. They have favorite players. They have players they dislike. The hope is that once the game is underway, they're not in some way letting that influence or it shouldn't be influencing the way they're calling a game. That's my only concern with putting something out there is that is it in some way opening a can of worms that other officials might not want opened? Or am I Um, reading way too much into it? He opened that can of worms uh, as he just just before he was relieved of his duties. Yeah, I was trying to be nice. Come on, man. (laughs) Look, I don't even pretend that I'm the nice guy on this show. Um, Tim Peel was a fool. Tim Peel definitely wore skates and stripes, and that's about it. He was one of the three uniformed people on the ice. Four. The number is four. No, he was one. Well, three. He was one. He was one. Wore one of the three uniforms, team uniforms, on the ice. Because you oh. have one team, you have the other team, and then you have the the officials, which is, I guess, in a way, a third team. So he was definitely one of he wore the uniform of one of the three teams on the ice. I see. Okay, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Uh, we will start talking about rosters and camps and projections uh, really, really soon. Uh, fantasy hockey is should be opening up real soon, and I'll be tweeting because I think we have a couple of spots to fill uh, in the two leagues that I run. Um, you know where to find me. I am at PuckSage on Twitter. Chris? I am at the TheOffWing on Twitter. Have a great day. Um, you can also – you can always share the show with everybody you know and uh, hit us with an email at those two at yeah, – at twoman4check.com for any comments. You can also comment directly on Podbean. Have a great week, and we'll be back uh, on Sunday uh, for the next show. Take care.